Thank you. So this is sort of a follow-up on the sermon we did a few weeks back on the humility of the incarnation and all the things that Jesus risked and sacrificed in order to become one of us. We're going to look at a few humans and how they responded to a similar call. Okay, so we have wise men. Those aren't wise guys, uh, as in like low-level mafia thugs. Those are um, magi. They're royal magicians. They're in the court of the king. They're astrologers, magicians, pagans. Okay? Um, throughout the Old Testament, wise men of this nature are bad guys in the stories. Okay? The Egyptian wise men threw down their staff and made a snake. And so Moses did the same. And Moses' snake ate their snake. Ah, take that. You know, things like that. So we've got a lot of those. Daniel um, had a lot of run-ins with uh, the astrologers, the royal wise men, when he was in Babylon. Um, so these folks are most likely from the Parthian Empire. We talked a little bit about that uh, as well. So you've got the giant Roman Empire over here to the west, the giant Parthian Empire, which is what used to be Persia and Seleucia and Acadia and Babylon and all those people. And, um, and tiny Israel in the middle, right on the edge of the Roman Empire, right in between. And they're most likely from the Parthian Empire. We don't know for sure. It just says from the east, but that would make the most sense because... That's where the Israelites were held captive, right, for a long, long time. And Daniel um, is a man that God rose up to power during that time, and he was kind of the, the God contra to the, the wise men. 
So they use divination and astrology and all these kind of things to try to get wisdom for the emperor. And Daniel instead simply used the voice of the Lord. He heard what the Lord said and he, and he told the king that. Um, so the wise men learned to kind of begrudgingly respect Daniel. Because although, yeah, we don't like you because you're probably costing us a job, at the same time, we can't deny your power. We can't deny that there's some truth behind what you say. And so it's not like they all converted or anything like that, but there was a certain level of respect there because these are people who would happily take any prophecy they could find and throw it all together in a big pot to try to predict what's going to happen in the future. And so these folks, even hundreds of years later, had kept up on all the Old Testament prophecies and the things that Daniel had said and elsewise throughout the Old Testament. So they still read this, not as believers per se, but as people who, hey, this, this might be right. Some of the stuff was right after all. And so when they saw this star appear in the sky out of nowhere, they're like, new star, that rings a bell, that's in there somewhere. And they found it in Romans 24, 17 through 19, that a new star was going to appear and that was going to herald the birth of the King of Kings. And so they're like, ding, 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 that is interesting, that is true. So this just happened, this prophecy from the Hebrew Old Testament just happened and came true. So they're thinking about this, they're pondering this, and I'm guessing that what happened is God spoke to them in that moment. It doesn't say that, but what it does say is um, that they came to worship him when the star rose and have come to worship him. And that's what they said to Herod. Like, we saw this new star, and we have come to worship him. So it's not like they came in just interested. They weren't just on an a academic mission to try to find out if this was true. Like, he, they told Herod they came to worship, not just to honor him as a king, to worship him as God. So something happened <laughs> in that moment between the realization of the truth that this prophecy had just been fulfilled and their decision to at least their, their arrival, something happened in there. I think God spoke to them. I think God called them to go and to do this. Um, this was a really risky journey. Okay, we talked before when you know, Mary and Joseph were on their way, how risky journeys were back then. Well, this is that times a billion, actually, because we're talking about a massive desert in between. We're talking about hostile people. We're talking about bandit sickness, Desert, dehydration, what if you can't find water? That's kind of a bad thing in the desert. This was pre-Uber. You know, they didn't have Amazon with drones dropping off a bottle of water for you in the middle of the desert. If you get thirsty, um, this journey could have easily taken a year. Okay? We're talking an incredibly long journey. Okay? So this was risky. This was not, this was not a light, simple thing. This was a risky thing. Also, by the end of the journey, they're in enemy territory. Their empire is fighting the Romans, okay? So by the end, they're in enemy territory. What do you think the Romans would have done, the Roman officials, if they had caught these guys? They're members of the court of the enemy emperor, most likely. What do you think the Romans would have done? Okay, so you're here in secret, you members of the royal court of our enemies. That's a problem in and of itself. You're clearly spies, okay? Why are you here? Oh, we've come to worship the new king. What? New king? Caesar didn't have a baby. No, 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 not Caesar. He's a Jewish king. He's going to be the king of all kings. Oops is right. I have no doubt in my mind they would have been executed. Absolutely no doubt in my mind that these guys would have been executed if the Roman officials had found them. 
because that is high treason. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they're just members of the royal court, which, is, which means like they're not royalty. Like You can't kill royalty without getting in trouble. But you know, the undersecretary of state, yeah, you can off him. It's no big deal. So I have no doubt that they would have been killed by the Romans had they been found out. They also sacrificed finances for this journey. This would have been a fantastically expensive journey. Fantastically expensive. I mean, they're hiring probably 40 people. For each one of them, they probably have to hire about 40 people to carry stuff, to bring water, to bring shelter, to have hired swords to protect them from bandits. You can't just march three or eight guys through the desert. You will all be murdered because there's bands of 10 to 20 bandits, pirates, just everywhere. And that's how they make their living is by murdering and stealing stuff. And so you've got to have enough people with you to discourage most of those and to defeat the ones that aren't discouraged enough. Okay, So fantastically expensive. Not only that, they're clearly not working during this time. They've got to get there and back. That's a long time to be out of work. So you've got no income. You've got a crazy expensive journey. And they brought some pretty nice gifts. Big old box of gold. That ain't cheap. It costs you know roughly as much as it costs to put a bunch of gold in a box. And probably a nice box, I would imagine. Frankincense, myrrh, those things are really expensive too. So this is, they sacrificed finances to obey what the Lord was saying. Big time. They took huge risks to their own self. Um, they also sacrificed their careers. Their fellow wise men would have been none too pleased with them deciding to forsake their pagan ways and their pagan gods and instead go off to worship this Hebrew god. They used to be our slaves. We remember those guys. They were nothing. And you're going to forsake your gods, your emperor, who is a god, to them. You're going to go worship them. They're giving up their career. I have no doubt that they would have a very hard time finding any wise guy job once they get back home. Definitely not in the royal court. In fact, they may have been wanted for treason by their own government. Because again, you're worshiping another god who's not me, right? Remember how mad they got at Daniel when he would bow down before the Lord? Okay, They, they haven't changed. <laughs> and then they've got their own gods. You, you don't worship these, the enemy gods. No, 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 that's not cool. And so they, they may have been wanted for treason when they got back too. I don't know. So who knows where they would have gone after this. And they knew this. It's not like they figured this out on the way. Oh, I wonder if we'll lose our jobs. You know, no, they knew it. They knew it was going to cost them probably everything to make this journey and literally risking their lives. It's, it's amazing. I think the wise men are unsung heroes in the Bible. I mean, it, the, their, their faith and their, their willingness to do what God was calling them to do was, was really astounding. They risked everything. And so my question for us is this. What have we risked for God lately? What have we sacrificed for God lately? Ponder that in your heart, like Mary, for a minute. Um, now, God honored the Magi. Uh, they grew up in another culture and another religion, and yet they recognized the true God when they saw him, and they bowed down and worshiped him, okay? And God honored them for that. He warned them in a dream that Herod was going to kill him, kill the baby, and so they went another way. Again, huge risk. You don't defy the word of the king. Herod said, come back here when you're done. That's like an order from the king of the land, right? You don't just not do that. Herod could have sent his own men to kill them. Herod could have informed the Romans. Even better idea, let the Romans know what's going on. They'll hunt him down and kill him. 
Um, big risk, but they did that to protect Jesus because God warned them in a dream that Herod was going to try to kill Jesus. And so they risked their lives yet again to protect him. Um, God gives us all missions like this, I think, from time to time. Maybe not as dramatic, maybe fewer camels, but God gives us all missions from time to time. And they always, anytime the Lord asks us to do something, it always involves risk and sacrifice to some degree. To some degree. In America, that's often not risking our lives, literally. Um, but he might ask you to do something that would require you to risk some money, to sacrifice some finances. He might call you to do something that would risk your career. That even if you didn't lose your job, you know you wouldn't go up any further. He may ask you to do that. He's asked a lot of people to do that. Everything God asks us to do is going to involve some sort of risk and some sort of sacrifice. And a lot of Christians kind of balk at this. They say, we all say, I will do anything God asks me to do. But when God asks us to do something and it looks not fun and risky, we say, well, that wasn't really God. Or I'll do that later. Or I'll have someone more qualified. I, I don't, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not, I don't deserve that. Somebody else will do that. And I'll just sit here, right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I think we've all done that to one degree or another. Uh, my hope is that we could be more like the wise men who were willing to, on very little, risk everything for what Jesus was calling them to do. And as mature Christians, we're all eventually called to do that. God always calls us on missions. He gives us things that he asks us to do. And we are always required to obey, no matter what. And I hope that we can have the courage to say yes. We're looking at a new year now, 2018. I hope that can be our year of yes to the Lord. And he asks us to do things, even if they're big things, even if they're scary things, even if you're, they're like, that is way beyond me. I believe that in the next year, God is going to ask probably everybody in this room to do something that is way beyond you. That you will say, I couldn't do that. That's not me. I'm, I lack this, that, and the other thing. I'm not this or this. I couldn't possibly do what you're calling me to do. I believe God's going to call us all to do things like that over this next year. And I hope you can remember the Magi. These pagans who grew up in a pagan culture, they would have no reason to say yes. And yet they did. And they risked everything. Contrast them to Herod. Okay? He was given the same kind of choice. Um, they came to him and they said, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Now, why did they go to Herod to ask? Well, where else do you ask for the new king other than the king? That only makes sense, right? Ask the king, where's the new king? Figuring, I think, probably figuring it would be Herod's son. Why not? And Herod's like, what now? And then they, they, showed, they showed him the prophecy. And they're like, yeah, well, we've heard of that. That's our prophecy. Um, and Herod had a crisis at that point because he knew this wasn't his son. Someone else had been born king of the Jews that was not him, probably even the Messiah. And so what is he going to do? Is he going to do what the wise men did and humble themselves and obey, even if it requires risk and sacrifice to himself, sacrificing his own kingdom? Or not? <laughs> well, obviously not. We know Herod. Herod is prideful. He never did a humble thing in his life that we know of. And so he hardened his heart, and he was prideful, and he said, no, I'm going to do the selfish thing. I'm not going to obey. I'm going to do the selfish thing. And so he's like, so go, go find him. 
Um, he's going to be in Bethlehem. My scholars told me that because Micah prophesied that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. So you go there, you check it out, and then you come back and tell me because I would love to go worship him too. Sure, he rolled his eyes like that. Um, and so this, this prideful man, he got to the point where he was wanting to please himself so much that he was willing to do unthinkable things, like kill the Messiah. And while you're at it, just to make sure, let's kill every baby in the whole region. And obviously, most of us will say, well, I could never come to that point. Well, hopefully, maybe. But Herod still is a reminder to us of where pride leads, where selfishness leads. It's not like we choose God or we just say, I'm, I'm going to opt out of that. If we're not choosing to obey God, we're choosing ourselves. If we're not choosing to obey, we're choosing pride. And pride can lead us to scary places. It can lead us to really selfish places. Um, it leads ultimately to death. Pride always leads to death. Pride was Satan's, the initial sin. And it led to death and sin for all the world. Christmas is a reminder for me that the King of Kings has come. He came 2,000 years ago, but he's also come now. He's come for me. And am I going to respond to him now? I'm not back then. I would love to have visited back then, of course, right? When the shepherds were there, when the magi were there, when all that fun stuff was going on that we read about in the stories and that we learned about and did plays about growing up when we were kids. But regardless of that, Jesus has come now, today, for all of us. He's coming to us even today, and what, how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond like Herod? Or we're like, whatever, God, I'm fine. Don't need that. Are we going to respond like the Magi who said, I am all in. I will give up anything. I will sacrifice everything for you. Whatever you ask of me, I will do it. Two hugely different responses from people to Jesus coming to them. The wise men had no reason to say yes. They were the opposite ones you would think. The most unlikely people imaginable. Herod, you would expect to say, yes, he's the king of the Jews. They've been looking forward for the Messiah forever. Of course, the Jew is going to be like, yes, the king of kings, the Messiah, and he'll welcome Jesus in. No, he, he, he shut him out, even tried to kill him. The pagans, the outsiders, the ones you would least expect are the ones who receive Christ, which shows again and again and again, this is throughout Scripture, that God is not looking for the highly gifted. He's not looking for the important, the rich, the people in big positions. He's just looking for people who would respond to him and say, okay, yes. I'll do what you're asking me to do. That's all he's looking for. He's just looking for us to bow the knee and worship him. And I pray that we can do that over this Christmas season and also moving into the new year, that we can start off the new year with a new, a new sense of dedicating ourselves to, yes, God, I'll say yes to you, whatever you ask me to. And if that means some risk and if that means some sacrifice, then I'll do it. I'll obey what it is you're calling me to do. And I hope we can start out the new year with that as our first resolution. <laughs> to obey the Lord. To follow him no matter what. Uh, but we all have to decide that. How are we going to respond to that humble king who came to us 2,000 years ago? Are we going to bow down and worship him? Are we going to say, I, I like my own life. I'm going to keep living it the way I want Let's, let's take a minute just to reflect on that.
on how we're going to respond to the Lord. Even if it means taking risks or making sacrifices. of as a response to that. You can stay seated or you can stand, whichever you'd prefer. And then we're going to share with each other some thoughts and experiences of our own Christmases. Step down into darkness Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted. Glorious in heaven above Humbly you came to the earth you created All for love's sake became poor So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether Altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. You're altog